On March 25th, COVID struck Colorado. Governor Polis announced the stay-at-home orders and thousands of Colorado's small businesses had to close their doors and furlough their employees, never knowing for sure if they would reopen again. Everyone from restaurant and bar owners to hairstylists and entertainers were affected, and grocery store clerks and healthcare professionals became the true heroes. People were divided into categories of essential and non-essential workers. New mask mandates were put in place, as well as social distancing guidelines. Our old way of life was over and replaced with a new one. Join us as we talk to some of the people who were affected by this pandemic. Will they succeed? Follow them on their journey from struggle to success as Colorado recovers. Welcome to episode three of the Colorado Recovers podcast. My host is Nick Olivas. We are here in the Denver Community Media Center. If you ever want to record your own podcast, I re- encourage you to reach out to denvercommunitymedia.org. It is a uh, service owned by the city. We are doing something a little bit different here in Colorado Recovers. We normally focus on small businesses, but I'm here with my guest, Regina, and her friend, Polly, here. I uh, want us to talk about a very important issue that's going on in the Denver metro area. So, uh, Regina, go ahead and um, talk about your issue and introduce yourself here. So, I'm Regina Hopkins, and the important issue that I'm here today to talk about is uh, Save Belmar Park. And so, we are a nonprofit that recently formed starting in October. Is that right, Polly? That's about right, yeah. Yeah. So, not that long ago, we are currently filing for a 501. C3 status in progress um, at this very moment. And the important issue that we're trying to bring awareness to is um, in Belmar Park in Lakewood, Colorado, there's a proposed development, six-story high-rise and a five-story parking garage that's proposed to be developed right next to Belmar Park, which is an important um, unofficial bird sanctuary in Lakewood. and um, our group is extremely concerned on the impacts that it's going to have on the park, the birds, the wildlife. They're also proposing to cut down 69 mature trees on that property that are homes to owls and all kinds of birds um, that currently inhabit that area. Um, we think that this project exhibits a lot of hubris and disregard and disrespect for the natural environment um, that it sits right next to. Um, and we're here to give these uh, uh, animals and trees the voice. They're the only voice that we have, are humans, to speak up for them. So that's what we're here to do and uh, <clears throat> talk about that. <clears throat> So how did this thing get started, and how, how long has it been going, going about? So it started really, um, I found out about it around October with um, some flyers in the park, and, um, and I was notified about it from someone I know, and then I went to a city council meeting. I never even had been to one before, and that was my first city council meeting, and I spoke about it and uh, spoke that against that development as proposed. And I uh, just 
I've, I've had a passion for uh, the environment my whole life, and this seemed to just collide at the right moment for me to really get involved and uh, just to kind of uh, jump in. And th this effort needed help, so I, I'm doing what I can to help it. And, Polly, how did you get involved in this? Well, I'm the conservation chairperson <clears throat> for Denver Audubon, which is the local chapter of National Audubon, the National Audubon Society. And um, uh, a Lakewood resident contacted me about this. This was back in, I think, in August. And he talked about this, sent me an email, and he said, is there any way um, Audubon can help? So we got in touch with him. and. I think the first, I went down and testified at the city council meeting on September 11th, and that was the first public statement we made. And um, we've continued to alert our members and send letters to the city council and now the planning commission um, about this because uh, the park, well, I'm gonna say first of all, the, about Mm. In 1978, there was a um, map put together by Denver Audubon and Colorado Division of Wildlife and I think Denver Field Ornithologist of all the birding hotspots <laughs> in the metro area. I mean, it's a big area. You know, it goes from Bar Lake down to Chatfield and so on. And Belmar Park is on that map as a known birding spot. And I personally know people who spend time there birding. Um, and our uh, committee, our conservation committee, uh, includes a lady named Celia Greenman who lives in Lakewood and she has been working very closely with the Regina on some of this uh, publicity and uh, testifying in front of the committee, uh, the council and so forth. Um, but anyway, we were contacted by uh, Tom Durth who lives right next to the park and he was upset about it and he has continued to be active on this. So that's how we got involved. Now, you guys had a, a community event, right? Pretty soon after. So um, Anita Springsteen was really um, instrumental in trying to help also to raise awareness. She's a former councilwoman, and she proposed a motion for resolution um, that she brought forward to the city council in Lakewood. Um, some of the items in that motion for resolution included... Um, protecting and preserving the 69 trees and requiring two minimum parking spots per unit um, as well as working with the natural environment and the city of Lakewood Council including past mayor Adam Paul um, <clears throat> did not even let that go through to a vote so um, that got shot down and didn't even get to be voted on um, to whether the council passed it or not, but it seems obvious that they're, they're um, uh, that that's kind of their stance on this development is kind of our hands are tied, we can't do anything, we're not gonna do anything about it um, at that and at the time. So. We're, we continue to make uh, public comments at city council meetings and advocate for uh, changes nevertheless, even though they've told us our hands are tied and we can't do anything. Um, 
Yeah. And what would happen if this plan went through? Like, what is, how are, I heard about like bees um, are central. How essential are these birds in this ecosystem to the whole environment and in that neighborhood as well? Um, I would say, Well, first of all, let me quote a study by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service that just came out this fall. It's a survey of um, wildlife-associated recreation, which includes fishing, hunting, and wildlife watching. And they, uh, the study says that one-third of Americans are bird watchers, adult Americans, excuse me. One-third of adult Americans are bird watchers, which means probably about a third of Lakewood residents' adults are also bird watchers if you spread the average out. And parks like this are so important for the local people uh, who bird watch there. Maybe they go to photograph birds. Maybe they just want to take a walk and enjoy nature. They want to get away from the noise of the city uh, and relax and be out there. Maybe they take their dog <clears throat> for a walk. Uh, so the park serves a number, has a number of values and serves a number of functions for the people around it. It also serves functions for birds, migrating, particularly migratory birds that uh, follow kind of along the front range. Uh, <clears throat> the official tally of birds, number of bird species observed at Belmar is 237. Um, there's another figure that I found <clears throat> through eBird, which is a uh, citizen science uh, app uh, supported by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. And that figure was 306 species that move through Lakewood. Uh, so it's important for these birds to stop there um, on migration. They can rest, they can feed, um, they can build up fat for the rest of their journey <coughs> south. Excuse me. Uh, so little parks, I wouldn't say little, this is over 125, 130 acres. It's not exactly small, but it's not you know, a great big area. But they're really important in urban settings um, because the birds will use them. But I think also we want to make the point that they're very important to the people, the people of Lakewood. And <clears throat> putting a big, um, a big development like this right on the boundary of the park is going to increase noise, lights, probably the number of pets around. Um, and just general disturbance, traffic, of course. Uh, and there are plenty of studies that show that people in particular um, get stressed by noise um, <clears throat> and, uh, and that can result in you know, heart conditions and diabetes development and all, all kinds of things. Uh, National Geographic had an article on it um, that I quoted uh, to the city council. Uh, at any rate, it's, um, uh, so it's very important to people as well as the bird life of the area. And um, Celia Greenman, who's working with us, has applied for Belmar to be designated an important bird area. That's a uh, formal designation given to a place <clears throat> that uh, supports a wide variety of birds or it's important um, as a site of um, colony nesting birds, like the cormorants that nest at Belmar Park. Uh, Anyway, there are about five criteria, and so that uh, process is going on right now. Uh, the designation is an IBA, but there's a committee that looks at it, and they'll get back to us. So, uh, 
who else is on your team that's pushing this forward? So currently, um, I am one of the three directors of this group, um, and we've we've we started out as a large group, and it's kind of morphed and changed, and people have come and gone out of this group. Um, um, but currently, we decided we we had we were trying to figure out the next steps for us, and the next steps are um, legal. So we're trying to raise. Um, money for our legal fund um, and we um, so we are um, we've hired a lawyer and the lawyer that we selected um, needed us to kind of come up with a official organization structure and who's gonna help make decisions and so we wanted some core individuals who are gonna stay involved with this group so um, we went through a bunch of different options, majority, supermajority structure, and then we landed on um, this kind of three director model that would have a representative voice, hopefully, for the whole group at large. And um, so that's um, who's to make most efficient use of our time and finances with the lawyer. Um, we wanted to have a, a small body of people who would be talking with the the lawyer uh, primarily and communicating on behalf of the group. So um, that's uh, sort of the structure right now. I think I missed your question. No, that's fine. I was talking about who else is on your team. Oh, on that's... the team. Uh, so we have uh, Celia Greenman is another director. Gail Hamilton is another director and myself. And we have individuals like Polly who have been with us from the beginning, who also are, she's a, a kind of a bird expert and knows a lot about the birds. And we have concerned citizens like Tom Durth that she mentioned. Um, we have Kathy Kentner, who did run for um, Lakewood City Mayor just recently. She's involved with our group. Paula Nystrom, who is also trying to run for Ward 5, in the city of Lakewood currently. We have Rich Olver, who's also a current uh, city council person, Ward 5, who's been included with our group. Um, Anita Springsteen, who was a former city council member. We have a guy named Mark Smith, who's been a former 20-year city planner and who's done a lot of research for us. We have, um, and just a whole lot of other individuals um, who've been finding out about our group still and coming in to um, see what they can do to help, whether we need always need people to help pass out flyers in the park. Um, still, people don't know about this. We're still just a grassroots effort trying to bring awareness to this issue. Still, not everybody knows about it. Um, we have been in on a lot of different of media stations thanks oh barbara millman is another very important person who's been getting us helping get us a lot of media exposure we've been on channel nine channel seven channel four the denver post jeffco transcript we've just gotten a ton of press coverage which has definitely been helpful to bring awareness to our issue and we continue to try to um, let people know about this because anyone who finds out about this gets upset um, and yeah. 
and thinks this is just says no this can't happen but we are um our group is trying to actually now make that no action steps and figure out what are we going to do with the no how are we going to bring this no to fruition and try and do something to um, stop the plan mitigate the plan something along those lines with the help of uh, our lawyer that we have selected well, it sounds like you have some important people on your team that's helping you out. You got people that are in city council, people running for mayor, people that were involved in city, the city of Lakewood government there. So I think you guys stand a good chance in making that a hard no and getting your wishes fulfilled. And then I hope you guys do able to um, formulate your guys' plan and your guys' uh, company and, and, and move it, move it forward. Um, where can people go if they want to find more information about that or anything you guys are working on? So currently we have um, a website. One of our other group members, um, Steve Farthing, who I forgot to mention, has uh, helped create that website, savebelmarpark.com, and that has a lot of good information on it. Um, we also have uh, our kind of communicating via emails with our group and if they want to get on that email list that can be done by uh, emailing savebelmarpark at gmail.com and you can get on the weekly sign up list which we communicate more um, via the emails with our small group um, is another way to uh, get more information and we continue to show up at the city council meetings, so though we've been at every single one, and we have group members always there to speak to before or after the meetings. If you want to also continue to get involved or speak out about this issue, the city council meetings are another place you can regularly find many members of our group. And, of course, you can always um, visit... Um, our website and we're happy to get relate that information in case you're gonna you know, forget some of it but yeah pretty much it's savebelmarpark.com and regina is the uh leader of that group and one of the directors yeah one of one i'm uh yeah <laughs> she's the face i found out when we were at the uh, you guys had a fundraiser um back in december right yeah december 23rd um, we pulled together a fundraiser to try to raise money for our legal fund in preparation for hiring the lawyer. We needed a retainer. Um, we um, had been working for a long time to find a, the right lawyer who would meet our needs and went through many options and a lot of discussion around who should we pick and who's the best one. And, and it was a tough decision and hard to find um, uh, make that decision and find just the right person who, because we got a big group with a lot of diverse opinions in it. Um, and, but anyway, the fundraiser, yeah, we had that December 23rd and we were able to raise mostly enough money to cover most of the, uh, retainer for the lawyer. And that was thrown together in about a week's time. So that was a very quick effort, but important and, um, helped us raise awareness. It was at the Cove 
sports bar in Lakewood, and we got a lot of businesses to help donate prizes. We had a raffle and a silent auction, and that was very successful and raised a lot of awareness, and um, a lot of people came out to support us just before um, the Christmas holiday, so we were really grateful for them to come out and, and show us some support, even though it was such a busy time of year. Yeah, I mean, I found out about it in a uh, Facebook group, actually, that's oh. like um, for 20s and 40s uh, singles. Yeah, okay. I remember there was a oh. message that you put on there. Oh, yeah, and also another place that we are located is on Facebook, and uh, Save Belmar Park is our Facebook page. And we also have Instagram, which another one of our group members, AJ Peterson, who's a... a um, our official arborist for city of Denver is in our group as well. And he's been speaking at city council meetings and he started the Instagram page for us. Um, so we have a, a lot of different people in our group with a lot of different skills and um, the same passion to try to preserve and protect the small amount of land that we, we have left in Lakewood that continues to be, um, wanting to be developed by um, developers and allowed by the city of Lakewood. Where can people find Belmont Park where the specific bird sanctuary you guys are um, talking about? <clears throat> you mean where is it located? Correct. Uh, it's um, west of Wadsworth, off of Virginia. It's just south of the, um, the Lakewood city complex. And there's parking, I think, off Virginia. Um, and uh, then you can walk around. There's a, a good-sized lake, Coons Lake, and several smaller ones. So this is a, I would characterize the vegetation there as riparian, which means it grows near water, so along streams, around ponds and lakes and so on. And this happens to be one of the rarest habitat types in Colorado. I think it's about something like 1% to 3% of all the land in Colorado is riparian. But it supports about 75% of the wildlife in our state at some time in their life cycle. They may not live there the whole time, but they use it periodically. So this kind of habitat is really important, not just for birds, but for all wildlife. I also wanted to uh, point out, I want to get back to this uh, point that the park is important for birds, but it's also important for people. Uh, because a number of studies have been done, and uh, the one that comes to mind is by the Trust for Public Land, which is a major uh, land trust organization. Um, <clears throat> and they make the point that these green spaces, these open spaces, are important for the social, intellectual, physical, and ecological um, development of young people. That, so if, when you have these parks, they have enormous benefits for the population, the human population, and of course for um, the migratory bird population, which I think you'll find the information on, on the website. Um, we've lost about a third of our migratory birds in the last 50 years, since 1970, according to all the major um, measurements of bird populations, like the Audubon Christmas bird count and the um, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service breeding bird surveys and so on. So there are lo there's lots of data on that, and birds are suffering. And one thing they suffer from is 
development, loss of habitat, and that's why I'm really concerned about this big residential development right on the edge of a place that's used by a lot of wildlife. For example, <clears throat> birds don't see glass like we do. They just don't see it. You know, so if there's a tree reflected in a, in a piece of glass, like a window, they just fly right into it and uh, they can be um, killed that way or damaged or hurt. Um, <clears throat> and um, there's a big push to try and get window coverings or window uh, treatments that will prevent birds from doing that. But you put a big building like that right next to a place that a lot of birds use with a lot of glass, I'm sure there'll be a lot of windows, you're asking for trouble uh, for that population. So um, I just wanted to, that's, that's a that was one of our concerns, that you can put this right by this um, heavily used um, <clears throat> park. So. Oh, and the trees also. I think uh, A.J. Peterson can speak to that, uh, the arborist, how valuable trees are in an urban environment. So cutting down 70 of them, 69, sorry, um, <clears throat> is uh, kind of um, thought it was actually counter counterproductive, in that a they fix carbon, they um, mitigate air pollution, and particularly the heat island effect that you get in a, a built out area like Denver, you get a lot of um, asphalt and a hard surface that reflects heat back, and we can create this heat island, so it's hotter there than outside the city. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So trees really do contribute to mitigating that heat island, and they provide wildlife habitat too, which is also important. As Regina mentioned, there are owls that nest in the area, and we've seen bald eagles sitting in the trees, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like, um, you mentioned about that, like, you know, the birds don't see the glass, so it's like you put that apartment building up there, there's gonna be a lot of dead bull birds just flop on the be, ground, yeah. which then means now you got maggots and flies and stuff like that. And then, the, and I hate to be the maintenance guy in that apartment building. That's for sure. Well, <clears throat> generally the carcasses disappear pretty fast, but, um, I've been doing some surveys downtown for uh, Denver parks and rec on, um, uh, in during migration. And we're looking for dead birds like that. And we have to get there really early in the morning because the maintenance guys come out and they start sweeping the sidewalks. And if the birds have flown into the glass and fallen to the sidewalk, we want to get there before they do, before the maintenance guys do. So we get down here about 6 a.m. and look for that. That's called um, <clears throat> Lights Out Denver. It's a program by Denver Parks and Rec. Um, That's <clears throat> so sad. How many have you found? I personally have found maybe five or six, but uh, over the, um, this has been going on about three or four years, it, I think they found close to 100 last year. In Denver. Um, and just in the de this area in Denver, right down here, downtown. Um, it's a fairly small area, and we have roots that we follow and look for the birds. And if so we had that, if we had 100 people just falling dead from running into glass, that'd be, uh, you know, a catastrophe. catastrophe yeah. But when it comes to birds, like, people just don't just... They sweep them up and get them out of the way. Yeah, just yeah. blink, don't blink an eye. I think it's just our uh, society just is... Doesn't, doesn't seem to value nature like we in we need it to it supports all of us without these parks without the 
the cycle of all of us, right? Like the trees, so the trees help um, prevent fertilizer runoff into the duck pond, and the duck pond would get fertilizer in it. Then the fish eat the fertilizer, the ducks eat the fish, and we've just continue, We've just got a big problem when um, the algae blooms, and it just all affects us. And then we eat the fish, not necessarily in Belmar Park, because no fishing is allowed, but. When you just increase human impact to that area, people have more dogs. Everyone in Colorado pretty much has a dog. You've got dogs chasing the birds off into the area. You're just going to be left with very little wildlife um, left. And um, that it's just going to, in my opinion, put a permanent blemish on Lakewood um, that will we'll never be able to, in my opinion, recover or be reversed. This is kind of a why we're fighting so hard is uh, I think a lot of us in this group see the impact because we see these huge apartment buildings being built all over Lakewood, um, gigantic, you know, not integrated well into within the city, um, just all over like weeds, and they want to put a huge prominent one, literally the closest point of contact after I spoke to the city planner, former city planner, on this project he's since left, which is, we find interesting timing of this whole project, and he, um, he told me and Celia when we had a meeting with him, the closest point of contact between that building and the property line of uh, adjacent Belmar Park is five feet. So it's extremely close. Um, the impact is just going to be astronomical to the um, park. And like Polly said, the glass, it's going to create a shadow effect into the duck pond, which it's right next to, creating a more frozen environment for the birds. Um, and, um, you know, creating more... Uh, freezing and shadow effects and tree growth development it's just going to impact the whole thing and it's one of the special areas that you can still go to very close to the city that feels like you're still in a little bit of nature it's one of these really few special pockets we have left in the city in the denver larger metropolitan area and it's not going to look the same or feel the same be the same, have the same kind of animals and habitat um, anymore if this gets built, um, and not in a positive way. Can I add, <clears throat> also there's been a number of, well, there have been books written and studies done on the importance of having nature close to home, which means in the city. You know, not everybody can afford a place up in Silverthorne or Dillon or someplace up in the mountains and, <clears throat> and they don't have the means to get up there. So having these parks and green spaces in the city is really, really important for, again, the, the nature education, environmental education, and children's development, which is why places like Belmar are so important. Mm -hmm. And it is a wheelchair accessible site for elderly who love to go there and, um, and, and it's just a special spot and we don't have many of these left and this developer who is from Texas doesn't really maybe understand the values that we uphold here in Colorado wants a large developer, multi-million dollar company, K-Roy, 
wants to come in and say, hey, here's our vision. We want to come in and change up what we think you need here. And our citizens are saying, no, this isn't what we need here. Um, we've actually had, there's been a study, a tent, and these are luxury apartment units, by the way. These are not affordable housing, and that's been a big point of contention for a lot of people as well. They want to come in, build their six-story high-rise, and advertise it as luxury lakefront property. And, you know, why should they get to um, do that? Um, unfortunately, we think it was this area was zoned improperly from the city of Lakewood, allowing it, it, it technically is allowed to go up to 12 stories right next to that park. And it, we think that um, this was a huge mistake that it was even zoned to be high density homes right next to an important bird habitat like this. The old property used to have a, a mansion on it. Unfortunately, it was um, demolished in around the 1970s when um, this, and the mansion was originally from Mae Bonfies, the daughter of a Denver Post um, publisher in the 1930s. She built that, constructed it, and that area was always intended to be a preserve, nature preserve, wildlife preserve. She loved animals. There were always animals all over the area, and she hired guards to protect it. Um, and unfortunately, that she sold it, and when she died, it was sold to the archdiocese, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, and and uh, through a series of biz bad business deals, it was demolished, and that would have been such a, a, a wonderful site if that historic mansion was still on the property, but um, now they want to make it a build-out to the max, best and highest use of the land without, I don't think it's best use of the land one bit, um, but they consider that the developer would be is being allowed to use best and highest use of the land space and um, build out basically to the max that they're allowed to. Um, and the big problem we have is the city of Lakewood allowing fee and lieu instead of parkland dedication. All the other all of the other developments and townhomes around that area had to require a parkland dedication for this parcel of land. Why? Why are they not required to do any parkland dedication? And why are they allowed to ignore the tree preservation ordinance, which requires a trees of an eight inch caliper to be protected and preserved wherever fees reasonably possible? Um, and city of uh, the Travis Parker, our city planning director, is saying, no, that's okay. Just pay us some money and you can build here as much as you want. And we have a huge problem with that, that these decisions are being made unilaterally by one person for the entirety of the public. This is a public park. Why are they getting to... Why is one person making such important decisions for the entire community of Lakewood, which we feel is total abuse of this property and not in the public interest one bit? The city of the city council's job is to protect, uh, to uphold the will of the public. No, that they're not. They're not um, doing that. They're afraid of being sued by Kroy.
Oh, so we got a city planner making decisions for everybody. And then council then is not stepping in city council because they're afraid of this developer, which if the city planner is looking the other way, probably they're probably getting money in the back end. Because I, I used to work for government, not city government, federal government at the airport at uh, Denver DIA. And they finally finished that project, which is the Great Hall project, which they were... Um, they had to shrink the budget and shrink their plans, but that went through several thermal cycles and through, I call waste, but basically through making improper decisions, kickbacks and stuff like that, that project could have been done much sooner. But because of greed, they set themselves up for failure um, on that part. Um, so they, um, yeah, they may not like when I had to say that, but they they went through some stuff. And I've, I never talked to the contractors on it, but I've talked to people who first built DIA and they were telling me about, they're like, I'm not, I'm not going near that project at all with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> They're not going anywhere. So, yeah. So what would it take? Okay. So you're going to city council. You got some people on city council, people running for council, people running for mayor to get this project. Either. What would it take for it to what needs to, ha what needs to happen in the uh, legislature? Sounds like you want to do a a legislative change so that the city planner doesn't make all decisions for the people, but they're also trying to get this your proposal pushed. So, what what would it take to get to to get to the next step in the city? I guess what's that next battle? Well, I mean, I think uh, that the current council we have is in, in another council person's words a do nothing council. They they um for example i had they rebecca stewart and wendy strom had sent out a letter to the entire entire lakewood community whoever had been on their email list i received it as well um that said good news um we have contacted k-roy and we're gonna give you a community meeting and you're gonna get an opportunity to um talk to them, look at how good we did through our hard work, and we got you this meeting. So uh, as it turned out, several months later, this meeting happened in secrecy with three people from the Belmar Commons townhomes um, only were invited to this. We had Celia Greenman from our group, um, myself, Mark Smith, I know of, of us who had all asked to be included and we'd been involved with the Save Belmar Park group since the beginning. We all asked to be included in these community discussions with K-Roy and we were denied. We were didn't even we were just denied and flat out told no by some of us. Celia had been invited and then disinvited and so these meetings happened and they told us um, K-Roy in the meeting minutes after that they said well, we can give you some bird baths and bird houses. What a slap in the face that was to us to say, we'll give you some bird baths and bird houses. Here's some of what kind of quality, of what material. Like, how do you even know that the birds are going to use your bird houses or use these bird baths? Who's going to be responsible for refilling these bird baths? If And who... How can a duck or a goose land in a birdbath? This is just ridiculous. 
um, what the what the K-Roy has offered um, as a concession on their end to what the ravishing destruction they're going to be doing to this park in the land right next to it. You can't ignore the impact that this is going to have, even though, yeah, it's technically not a part of the park, there's going to be a huge impact and a huge uh, scar on this park to um, to the wildlife, to the people, to the community. Um, I am from the city of Lakewood. I am from here. I'm a native. And I am so saddened to see how much development has happened in just an incredibly short amount of time too quickly. And um, just more and more people are coming in and it's and that's part of the larger issue here is um, just just wanting more and more development and less and less nature. We just give the animals and plants a little, little less every day, and we humans are really, in my opinion, the invasive species here. Mm-hmm. Kiwa, you're welcome to come on my podcast anytime and talk about it. <laughs> Um, but anyway. Well, I think Kara, in some ways, has been very short-sighted. For example, there are there is data to show that if you have you know, a natural area with trees, and particularly if you use that judiciously as part of your development, which they could do, um, it increases the property values. You know, so it, it helps to have open space and trees and everything else if you're a developer, you want to keep that, but these guys don't seem to want to. They just want to cut out down all the trees and build their giant, massive residential and, development. And it would be probably pretty hard to keep some of those large, beautiful trees that have taken 70-plus years to grow. Um, and and um, they just want to say, oh, that's nothing. That's nothing to us. We don't we don't care. We're, we, what we want is uh, more development, more of these high-rise apartment buildings all over your town, and that's what we think you need. That's not what a lot of us city Lakewood residents want, especially those of us who remember what it used to be with more open space and um, in contributing to nature and human mental health. And um, in that integration between the two is, is is we're missing it so much more and more these days and then i am a counselor and i know how important mental health is uh nature is for mental health that's why people move here that's why it's so popular they want to move here for the mountains and the nature and that slower pace and it's just ironic because we're getting rid of it with more and more people who come here um yeah People need, people need to keep their secrets to themselves about spots, in my opinion. Otherwise, you're just going to end up with too many people. Yeah, for sure. The um, We mentioned the, um, I know there's the Colorado Audubon Society, and then you mentioned the Denver Audubon Society, Polly. Um, is there any way those organizations can, you guys can partner up with them for extra I know financial power, legal power, um, you know, pushback. I know they probably have their, they've been around for a while. They probably have their own peeps that can um, put something in there. Um, this, what you're telling me right now sounds like, a, I mean, this is no joke. This happens a lot of places, but this, you know, 
one word comes to me is avatar, you know, basically, but minus the blue people, you know, but you know, they were talk about there, but that's what James Cameron's trying to talk about. Hey, commercialism, environmentalism, you know, how the trees are helping every creature live, not just humans. So you're asking what you're asking. So I'm asking is, you: Is there any way the Audubon Society can maybe partner up with you, partner up with your guys' organization? Well, here? financially, probably not. Okay. <laughs> you know, we're um, Audubon is a nonprofit organization, just like uh, Regina is uh, creating there for Save Belmar Park. So financially, not much. Although our members, um, I think some of our members have donated and uh, to the fund. Um, <clears throat> what we've done so far is, again, talk to, you know, appear to city council, try to make these points. Um, we also uh, publish a, um, an online newsletter twice a week. Our, this is Denver Audubon now. This is the local chapter. Um, <clears throat> and um, uh, we've had information about Belmar Park and um, how to get involved in our, <clears throat> excuse me, our um, newsletters um, and we've urged people to write and maybe get in contact with Regina or the other people the other people on the uh, team um, and that's you know but I, I also think that local comment local local participation is so important so it's really important that the Lakewood citizens get involved here you know I mean I'm okay I'm from Audubon but I don't live in Lakewood so I can go in and I can talk to city council and they can just say, oh, well, you don't live here. You know, you don't, um, but you do have, we do have members there. I, I would say oh, several hundred in Lakewood. And so I can say, yeah, I'm representing our members, but I think it's the members themselves who really need to step up and speak. And that's what we're trying to get people to do. Now, if, if we get Belmar designated as an important bird area, that does not in itself add protection to the site but it does give it more visibility. And that's important uh, for these areas, that people know them, love them, use them. Um, <clears throat> and then when something happens like this, they get upset and try to change the, the pathway that the city is following. Um, National Audubon has an office up in Fort Collins. They usually don't get involved in local issues like this. Um, they urge their members to, and they certainly are supportive, but they, they don't have money either. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they can recommend, you know, um, information or, um, I don't, and they don't use legal help much. Well, I shouldn't say that, but anyway, um, I don't think they do. But so it's really up to the local chapter and our members and our members in Lakewood to mm -hmm. really um, rise up in mm -hmm. opposition. And we are still looking for um, people who want to – unfortunately, this site does not require an environmental impact study yeah. on it. Uh -huh. Not required in the ordinances in the city of Lakewood, even though it is in, right next to this park. Um, so that's not required, unfortunately. Nevertheless, we would still love and welcome somebody who wants to help um, give us some more expert opinions about um, – the uh, you know wildlife biologist somebody with some really niche experience or credentials in that area to come forward and help us 
give us a, you know, a statement or an environmental impact analysis or who has some kind of connection to that. We would love someone who can do that or relook at these plans architecturally. Um, there's some underground vault storage, which is a really, uh, to my knowledge, a very uh, strange way that this development was proposed to be built because that is not normally the kind of uh, water underground building structure that this has. Um, and to my knowledge, that was um, a point of contention in the original plan here as well. So we are still looking for people to kind of help take a second look and get a second pair of eyes on these. So if anyone has a connection to someone who has an ornithologist or um, bird experts or more um, environmental people, we're, we're, that's an angle we still really need to and want to explore a lot more as far as the in animal and wildlife nature impacts here because we know that's that's our primary reason for wanting to stop it but we need more expert opinions in that area um yeah well one um one avenue that <clears throat> we've looked at is the migratory bird treaty act which is a federal law that says you don't um it makes it illegal to um harass or kill, they call the word take is the word they use, um, birds, their nests, and their young, and that includes killing or harassing or other, otherwise um, hurting them. And that's why <laughs> um, we'll see what Caroy does, but if they start cutting the trees during the spring breeding season, they could be in violation of that act because birds do nest in those trees and you cut the trees down, you damage the nest. Um, and you lose them. You lose them and you may lose the young birds as well, as well as the adults. So uh, I don't know what Caroy is planning. Um, Caroy in their meeting minute said that they wanted to cut these down in January. Well, that's because, that's why, because yeah. then they avoid the breeding season. Mm -hmm. yeah. How kind of them to yes. do it so much sooner. Yeah. Um, but they don't even have official site plans yet. It has not been approved, technically. Uh, has not had the stamp of approval, although we do think... Travis Parker is sitting there ready with his stamp um, any moment here, but we, um, uh, but um, we, they're not allowed to yet. They were talking about that in their meeting minutes, the secret meeting that we community were not allowed to be included in. And frankly, I still want that meeting that we were promised and we never received. So that is, uh, that is not fair that they wrote that huge letter right around political voting season um, just to give us a, you know, oh, here, we're going to give you this, but we're not actually going to give you that community meeting that we said we would. Um, that was really bad, really bad PR move on their part. Um, so, yeah, they still owe us that meeting that we never got our voices heard from K-Roy directly and to have that with them. Um, and this whole project, the biggest problem that I see with it, um, and this was said by another, another one of our members, Celia Greenman, during one of our city council meetings, she said, it's just a very human-centric way to look at this. This whole project is so human-centric focused, and um, 
more about building, more about people, more about the more, we mean more housing for more people. What about the animals and their homes? What about that? Where's the animal and nature centric viewpoint here? That's where I'm coming in and saying they need the vote. They need that voice. They're the, they're the underdog here, not the humans. We humans take over everything and animals we, we need to be better stewards of this environment and this planet and this earth that we share them with. Why are humans just thinking we're, we, get a, we get to and can control and shape this world exactly any way we want? Why can't we leave stuff alone? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We need it. We need to change that because, uh, like, I'm from, I'm in the film industry, and uh, they they kept telling us like people like to come here, like like Quentin Tarantino likes to come here and make a movie here because the beautiful trees, the beautiful mountains. Well, if they keep cutting them down, then they're not. No one's gonna come here to visit no more. So yes, the wildlife is very important as well, and people, even even um, there was a. There was a talk about that regarding in Evergreen and some of those mountain towns where people were like constantly building up there and the wildlife. And when there's a fire, they come down here and you see the bear going into the trash and everything like that. And That's why there's more like negative interactions between animals and humans now because they don't have anywhere else to go. Well, and we're pushing into their habitat. I think that's really yeah. obvious. We're building... In, have, in places where the animals yeah, need that's, to live. And they don't have any more spaces, so that's why the bird population is decreasing because the number one impact to bird populations and wildlife habitats is high-density homes and human high-density human impact right next to it, which is exactly what they're planning to build, literally feet from this park, high-high-density. High and we want, um, well, we have a range of opinions on here from we want this to become parkland to some of us want, you know, are um, more okay with more building modification kind of things, reducing density, redu reducing building height. So instead of their six stories, we want the minimum. Um, um, more, we want parkland dedication, which every other building development in that whole park was required to have, except for this one, which is the strangest thing to me because it literally, this property juts out into the park. Um, it feels like it is a part of the park, um, even though it technically is that private, proper, private property. Um, and we want, um, you know, lower lower height, less people, just to make it um, not so impactful. And there's a lot of us who, other opinions want eminent domain, taking of the land, because that's another one that we've had, uh, another one of our group members make a change.org petition, petitioning for eminent domain, which would be the city taking that land, saying, hey, we have a better use and more important use of this land than what you do. Um, that would be that um, piece of it. Um, so 
there's a whole lot of um, different options here and things that we want to see. One of our group members would have wanted it to be a bird kind of bird museum or uh, some kind of community center or a coffee shop where the public can also come to see um, and enjoy the park on a smaller scale than, you know, 412 luxury apartment units placed right basically on top of the park. Um, <clears throat> another option that has been discussed in the group, but it's another a point of view, <clears throat> would be for the um, city to contact um, somebody like Trust for Public Land, which does, <clears throat> excuse me, helps conserve open space, um, and they could buy the land from Caroy mm -hmm. and then turn it over to the city with um, the remuneration raised by bond money, something mm -hmm. like that. So it would be a fairly um, complex transaction, but it, it has been done. I mean, this, this piece of land juts right, as Regina said, juts right out into the park, and logically, it should be part of the park. Mm -hmm. um, and if that can be done through um, land trust or trade or something like that, that would be really a, um, a very positive development. And then, you know, once the land is, is in the park, it can be, you know, discussed whether we want a, mm -hmm. a coffee shop or a, a bird, um, sanct um, not sanctuary, a, um, some kind of community center there, something like that. Mm -hmm. But first, you have to resolve what happens to the land. Mm -hmm. But there are other options. Yeah. Uh, and then the other issue is that right across the street from this property, this is problem number one, but we know there's a problem number two in the works, which is that K-Roy has what's called right of first refusal right across the street from this property. So we know that they also are preparing to build high density homes right there too so once they're done destroying the this part of the parcel of land they want to go over there and probably build I'm, I'm just making a wild guess maybe you know that's a bigger site maybe another 2,000 units there right across the street um K-Roy is a large developer they are known for building sky rises why are they coming to little old Lakewood to build build out a sky rise in the middle of Lakewood um, and um, so they they were they're probably going to plan to do that so there's going to be another thousand plus dogs chasing birds away into the away from and the lake don't forget cats and cats, cats are even worse so and uh, they are going to do that right across the street once they're done destroying this part so that's problem two in the work. So this is going to be a huge, long, long battle for these pieces of land here um, that um, a lot of us City of Lakewood residents don't want right there. There are other areas that um, aren't as prized and pristine. And K-Ray themselves said this is our best, I, I don't have the direct quote, but this is our most prized um, parcel in our collection right next to Lakewood's Belmar Park, and we feel the same. This is the crown jewel park of Lakewood. Um, a lot of people still don't even know about this park, and we want to kind of keep it that way, that we want to keep some of these secrets that we still have left, the special spots that we can go and the animals can go that's their home. And um, Well, that's always the dilemma. If, uh, if, you, mm -hmm. if nobody knows about the spot, then it's harder to get people to protect it 
Mm. Um, the classic example is, of course, uh, Glen Canyon and the Colorado River. Nobody knew about it. It's a very beautiful area. And when the uh, Bureau of Reclamation decided they would build a dam to flood it, nobody knew enough about it to say, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And so it got flooded. Mm -hmm. So there's always that dilemma. Do you tell people about an area that's really special and then you probably get more use? Or you keep quiet and risk mm -hmm. losing it at some point, and so I think you do have to you have to find some kind of a balance there. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Um, yeah. Well, back in the '90s, because um, I I know where Lake was at, and I came here in '93 and lived grew up in grew up in Littleton, Colorado, and grew up basically near Combine. And with and my my all my coaches came from Lakewood into this new high school, and which is known as Dakota Ridge, and they were going to build over the lake on Clement Park, mm -hmm. and then there was a huge uproar. A lot of people utilize it, so they meant so they put a shopping center on the side of it, and so um, you know people got some use out of it. Both you know I add more attention to the park. And, and the lake because of those shopping centers. Now, with the, the cost of real estate and, and COVID, a lot of those stores are shut down. I think the only only two things that are available there is Barnes & Noble's and then uh, Gunther Tutti's restaurant there. <laughs> but yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Um, I definitely wish you guys luck on your, on on your guys' journey here. Is there anything else you guys want to say that you want your audience to know about? I think we said a lot, but is there anything last? Well, I think Regina has made the case really well, um, and I'm hoping that somewhere, sometime, the planning, the planning folks and the city council will listen to their own citizens yeah. who want this and, and uh, not just yeah keep following them. Yeah, yeah, keep so following follow our story here, and you can listen um, to our city council meetings um, online if you don't want to come in person, and we are going to be having our... Uh, attorney speak at the next one we're at so that should be very interesting um, to hear when's that next uh that's gonna be Monday January let's see oh next week Monday January 22nd okay well, how do people listen to the um, to the um, to the city council meetings online so lakewoodspeaks.org is one way you can um, make public comments and then I think it's on the city of Lakewood website you would see watch uh, uh, I, I, I don't know the exact website but I know through the city of Lakewood website you can get to the um, the those meetings publicly um, online nice so there you have it folks you can always um Go to savebelmarpark.com or go to Lakewood Speaks to find out what's going on here. If people don't know about it, um, people don't, don't, then people won't participate. I know for a fact, like, like I've been involved in government before, and these, these politicians, they do listen to your constituents, but there needs to be a lot of voices heard um, for any change to happen. Same thing in my workplace. If, uh, if there's a lot of people complaining about it, then everybody knows that it's a bigger issue it is. But if there's only a couple people complaining about it, a handful, then they don't think it's such a big deal. So um, support belmarpark.com 
and help help save this park here. And if you have any issues similar to this one, you're welcome to come out to contact me. My phone number is 720-441-1386. Even though this is a business podcast, it's a small business podcast, but it's still about the community here in Colorado. This is uh, Colorado Recovers. I want to thank Regina here for right here. Paul, Polly had to leave real quick, but we we appreciate her her wisdom here with regarding the birds here. Have a great day, everybody.